Hello and welcome to episode 126 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. In this episode, we have a review of HBO's Watchmen. Watchmen is an American superhero drama and it's a limited television series continuing the 1986 comic book series by Alan Moore and David Gibbons. Excuse me. Uh, the TV series was created and written by Damon Lindelof. This is Matt and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. And joining us, a special guest, returning guest from episode 23, where we talked about Autumn Lands, Tooth and Claw, and we did a little bit of shop talk. Uh, welcome back, Vince Paishan. Uh, thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem. So very quickly, uh, we're going to give you the spoiler warning for Watchmen, the comic and the HBO series. So if you haven't read those uh, or seen the TV show, please uh, pause the podcast and come back after you've done that. Uh, but we have a little bit of housekeeping before we get to Watchmen. On episode 120, Noah and I talked about the last days of American crime, the comic book. Uh, but that's also recently been turned into a Netflix series. So uh, on 120, Noah and I said we'd come back and talk about the adaptation that was done on Netflix. So uh, Noah and Vince, why don't you... Uh, Start us off with a little bit about uh, your thoughts on the TV show. I'm sorry, the the, the movie that was put on Netflix. Uh, I'll let Vince lead off and uh, explain to the listeners how much he actually watched of the movie before he turned it <laughs> off. Uh, yeah, so I actually, I only, I really only kind of engaged with it for about about 15 or 20 minutes, and it, it just kind of it kind of lost my interest. I thought it was, I thought it was extravagantly overblown. And also after, when you look at the, when you look at the, the, just the, the time, the time dial at the bottom of the screen and see that it's almost three hours long. It's uh -huh. kind of like, it's kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to sit through or imagine sitting through something like that for that long. Um, but yeah. Uh, so I hate to say that I, I don't really have too much to offer in regards to criticism outside of the fact that I thought it was just a pretty, pretty cheesy, poorly done action movie. <laughs> yeah, it was the most, it, like it made Michael Bay movies look focused. It's <laughs> sort of like how I got to the end of the movie and I was like, you know what, I'm never gonna like diss on Transformers Age of Extinction again for <laughs> having no like, you know, train for... of like, of, of motion because the movie, Last Days of American Crime, of course, like just throws the source material out of the window anytime that it tries to set up like, you know, like, you know, a moment from the book, it throws it out immediately or just doesn't get it. Mm. You know, like there's just no, it, 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 uh, it just, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Again, it, al it also makes like other graphic novel adaptations like Watchmen and V for Vendetta look faithful to their books mm. as well. Like yeah. it, like it just seems like they they tried to hit beats, but they didn't get like why the beats in the book were so good. Like it, it almost felt like stepping on the book because they would be like, "We have this this one beat." I think a good example of that is the um, oh, I had it I had it in my mind. Uh, well, but I guess like the big thing I guess is that the main so to spoil the the movie, the main character Brick dies in the end which is a real downer of an ending. Whereas like the book is like a middle finger to the man is mm -hmm. what it is at the end. Like you get to the end and they're like, we robbed the system that was going to try to screw us over. 
mm-hmm. you know, and we got away with it too. Yeah. And then they had, they took a character like Shelby, which in the book, we talked about this on a review, is like full of agency, you know, is, is a damaged person, but full of agency that in the end, she gets her revenge on everyone who's crossed her. So like, I kind of hated that. So, and at the end of this one, the police officers that were sort of using her get killed by brick instead of like, you know, screwed over by her, which is how the book ends. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it's just, a, uh, it was like, it just felt like a, a slap in the face of the, of the material. It felt like, you know, it just, it just didn't feel like it was only using anything, but just for the title. And like, like Vince was saying off mic, it doesn't make sense why they even chose this title to adapt. Yeah. Um, well, it, it doesn't make sense that they would like, they, they had nothing to lose by just sticking to the source material because it's not necessarily like a well-known title to begin with. Like yeah. the, the most, I mean, if anything, they, they just shot themselves in the foot by deviating from the source material because most of the people who were the most engaged with wanting to watch it were probably people who knew what it was. Yeah. So it just seems kind of weird that you would, you would automatically just, you would, you would like, I don't know, redirect the script to be more digestible to like the masses when it didn't matter. Like it, it just didn't matter at all. It, 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 it already is like a pretty, it's a pretty like action packed, well-developed, like nuanced story. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It just seems kind of weird that they would uh, make, make like all these different changes in the writing. Yeah. They also tried to rip um, off every other heist film too along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, like why was Charles Copley in the movie at all? Like, I don't get like, you get to the end and he's the police officer, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Like you kind of like, you get to the part with his character and he basically just shows up and gets killed. Like that's all he does. Uh, yeah. That's <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I was, that was another thing. I, it has a pretty stacked cast. There's like great, um, like actors in the, in the, in the movie, like Michael Pitt's an awesome actor. And it's just kind of like, I just got the feeling that it was just like, you're really just going to make this dude. I don't know. It's just so weird. And then they, yeah, that's another slap in the face is that like they, yeah. Isn't that character like more, um, you were talking to me about it. Uh, yeah, go ahead with your thought. He's the most your interesting. Thought. He's the most, in, well, Matt and I talked about it. He's probably the most interesting part of the book. Mm-hmm. And he's also the twist of the book at the end. So to spoil the book, you get to the end, the signal goes out and, um, uh, the, the bad guy, the crazy guy whose name I can't remember right now. Kevin Cash. Cash, yeah. The signal goes out and it doesn't affect him. And basically he says, like, as he's about to kill Brick, he's like, it's because I'm a sociopath. And the, the whole <laughs> book has been, but the whole book has been setting up him as a sociopath. Like, so like there's a scene in the movie where like he gets all emotional killing his family. Mm-hmm. In the book, there's that same scene, but he does it like unfazed. Like he just murders his family, including his own son, like yeah, that kind of thing. It almost sounds like they like injected like sentimentality <laughs> into the into like certain elements of the characters. That, that you were saying, you were saying that uh, the the female lead, she essentially like handles business like herself in the book. Yeah, and they 
they just redirected that so that like the 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 male lead kind of does it for her. That's so weird. That's yeah. And then then he makes the he does the gladiator sacrifice in the end, Mm. which is like the most obnoxious. Like I mean, I'm all for like the main character dying because I'm a depressing person, but Mm -hmm. like it was so trying to be like uh, Saving Private Ryan. I guess is the better example. Yeah, he kind of has the earn this speech at the end Uh with her, and it's so annoying. Um, but Matt, I'm sorry, I'm hogging it. What, what were your thoughts of the movie? <laughs> no, um, so I think what's interesting, so if, if Vince only watched like the first 20 to 30 minutes, I feel like that was the most faithful to, to the comic, the, the way it started. Um, yeah. You know, it had a lot of the same beats, you know, up until the point where Shelby does the thing where she goes into the, to the bar first it meets brick and then they have the awkward moment when when kevin comes in there and i felt like from from the beginning to that point they were they were on point and i was like okay but what got me was when they went back to brick's um uh mobile home i was looking for the the vending machine yeah and i was like yeah i was like oh the vending machine's not there that's a key that's a key moment later and i'm like this is where they're going to start deviating because they don't have that that Chekhov's gun sitting there that, you know, was so prominent, you know, and you talked about how when it was in the comic, when there was ever a panel with it on it, it was either, you know, brightly colored or like centered. So we saw it and I, I'm, I'm looking around the, uh, the mobile home for it and I don't see it. And that's when I knew that things were going to start to go. There's not even an Easter egg for it or anything like that. Like yeah. it's, yeah, it's, and it's the thing too, is that it gets, uh, Matt, you would say it gets pretty laughably bad towards like like at certain points, right? Yeah, um, like it's it, like you're almost like laughing at it rather than, of course, like laughing with it when it even tries to be funny. There's like no irony. It's just kind of like yeah, it's just you're laughing at it because it's genuinely just yeah. Poorly, but I wouldn't poorly. recommend it as a bad movie to watch and laugh at because it's two and a half hours long. <laughs> like. It's like, I'm like, I would not have like, it's like the nice things about movies like The Room and Birdemic is that they're like a solid 90 minutes, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. But like, this is too long. Like, and it retreads ground over and over and it just doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, a movie. <laughs> so so I, it, it's a movie, all right. <laughs> I have, as we, as we close out, I have one question at the end, we sort of get that Kevin Cash, you know, reveal that he can sort of operate once the signal goes out and he's shooting brick, but then what are those things? What did he take? The little pills? What were those? Were those like, they they weren't explained. Nope. Were they like antipsychotic drugs that Kevin had like in his, that so then he could if he took those he was now like able to not feel like the right i i, I don't even know what they they just showed up and they then, just then he up. had the ability to th- disobey the signal there's one scene and vince would have seen this too if you had watched the first 20 minutes where he goes to a guy and the guy gives him some pills and the guy tells <laughs> he tells brick well i hope these aren't for you basically we think that like brick is suicidal and those are like cyanide pills like that's what i got 
Did you see that scene, or was it just so mired in the bullshit of this movie? No, I, no, I do remember. I, I remember that scene, but I didn't. I don't under. I, I wouldn't have understood the context of it because I didn't see the whole movie. Exactly. Um, so you missed it. Was just like, yeah. yeah. All right, yeah, so that was me half watching. So you, so you were su- you're supposed to surmise from that single scene that those are actually supposed to be like antipsychotic drugs or anti like um, block the anti- signal. Like, yeah, like S- 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 SSMRI, SSMRI in- inhibitors or something. That's yeah. a, that's uh, <laughs> that's really stupid. Um, oh, it's so stupid. And again, it's oh man, it goes. There's one part that I think is the funniest. And it's towards the end and it's supposed to be dramatic and it's after Charlotte Copley's comeback. Like his whole arc is basically to be there, be sad, come try to stop Shelby and then accidentally fall on a spike and die. That's how his <laughs> whole, like his whole arc is. But the girl, Shelby's walking away from that and she's walking out of the, out of hacking it. And all these guys come out and they're like, stop, stop. Like they have their guns on her. And she keeps walking in like this dramatic music's building, but she walks like from the back of the building through the doors out into the street. And all these guys are following her and it's supposed to be dramatic. All these guys with guns are following her. They're like, stop, stop. Like it goes forever. <laughs> like, the scene goes on and on. It's so hilarious. It's like at any point, anyone could have tackled her. Anyone could have shot her. But, but it they, just keeps going. Then and they then, start giving her like the five second countdown. Yeah. <laughs> Like if you don't, like this is it. You, this is it. You got you down to your final five seconds, and they're they're counting down, and it's the magical semi truck that they can't hear racing yeah. towards them <laughs> that crashes into them, and like it's like you didn't you out of the corner of your eye or you know hear this massive semi truck barreling at you at sixty miles an hour. It just it just shows up on the at the at the at the count of five. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's yeah. again, Vince, you said it off, off mic. It's everything that we've come to laugh at in action movies, including like a lot of scenes of like walking away from explosions and not looking at them. Yeah, it's just, it's just like a played out kind of, uh, it's a played out trope that is, it's like beyond irony at this point. Like it's not funny. It's like not interesting to watch, especially, yeah, like and we were talking, I was saying earlier, like I feel like, over the last like 10 years or so there's been an evolution in the in the action movie genre where you have movies like like John Wick that kind of just do a really great job of creating like characters with a lot of depth yeah. and um really interesting world building um and you're talking about you're when you guys are talking about that pill thing like something that John Wick does really well is like they'll they'll show you something but they won't tell you anything but it's still intriguing and interesting and like you don't need to know like the backstory about like how the operators like where do the operators come from in like this weird hitman world like they just it just it, aesthetically it just looks awesome and it sucks you in and like it just sounds like this movie like <laughs> just what, yeah like it completely like diverted from that path and was just like we're just gonna make a really cheesy action movie yeah um, it, it really reminds me of something like i would watch sunday afternoon like when i was a kid that kind mm-hmm. of thing like yeah. it would be that like 
mid like it was like it felt like a movie that was sort of on after that like action renaissance of the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like something with one of the lesser baldwins you know <laughs> something like that um it was yeah it's i don't recommend it at you all mean, like, I said, like I said, navy seals <laughs> yeah navy seals is good <laughs> uh, no. I, I actually stand behind that movie it's it's it is it is good man what it is but, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I don't well, recommend uh, it. Uh, there are better movies to watch. Yeah, <laughs> and and speaking of better things to watch, let's uh, let's turn our attention to to, to Watchmen here. Um, yeah. Noah, as uh, the 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 probably the uh, you know, I, I see your eight volume eight volumes of uh, um, Watchmen behind you. Well, I've got one, two, three. I've got four out of my seven books on Watchmen. Yeah. yeah. So me. why don't you lead yeah. us off with your, uh, your, your thoughts on this? I loved it. I think it, it, it got what Watchmen says has a book, you know, and also it, it sort of got what a sequel to Watchmen should be, or even an adaptation of Watchmen should be, because I kind of almost see this as. Or like an yeah. epilogue. Yeah. Of sorts. Epilogue. It's like it's an epilogue. It's a sequel. It's also and and it, it it hits all the beats of the book really well too. Like it 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 draws allusions to a lot of moments and it follows the structure, and it but again it fits on this thesis statement of the end of Watchmen. Like you said, the epilogue, where Doctor Manhattan says to Ozymandias, "Nothing ever ends." Mm. So that you know, building a show off of that is brilliant. I think yeah. more than anything. And doing it well because it's it is yeah. done so it is done so well. Um, yeah, yeah. Not to not to uh, hark on your thought there, but no, I was done with my thought. I thought that's just sort of I think in that in them repeating and building on the idea of nothing ever ends, they get what Watchmen's all about, you know. So that that plays into every aspect of the show, including like you know the motifs the like the world building you know everything you know that based off of dr manhattan's nothing ever ends so once you adapt that like you know in a clever way you can do so much with that idea and they did like they didn't waste waste yeah. that, waste the opportunity to expound upon that idea i really yeah i really loved it for that reason and also it, it it's uh one of the greatest things about watchmen the book and we can get into this about the discussion is that it you know it was of its time in a way because it was, it was drawing upon the fears of the day, which was like nuclear Armageddon and everything. And to set it in to, to, for Damon Lindelof to have his finger on the pulse of society to basically be like, this is what the story, like, this is what's going on today. This is what we're most afraid of. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to write my story about. Yeah. And really capturing it really well. Um, and yeah, but that, those are my thoughts. What, what are your guys? Yeah, just to j- jump in on what the last thing that you said, um, I think something that Lindelof did incredibly well um, that Alan Moore um, did not do, and it's not, it's not that I wish that he had done this. It's, I, 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 love, I love like the kind of uh, like postmodern nihilistic um, message of Watchmen. I think it's like a really 
great way of it was it would he used he used like the superhero motif to as a way of like dismantling a lot of like uh preconceived narratives that we have about like justice and mm -hmm. uh how the world works and i think that lindelof kind of went the other direction with that and he incorporated he he incorporated a lot of those um dark elements that exist that are realistic and they exist in the world but he also was able to inject it with like heartfelt sentiment um sentimentality especially at the end um like he wasn't trying to imitate more too much. no he he he, yeah. he i think it's something that it's hard it's hard to do it's really really hard to make a story that or write a story that is uh so wrapped up in so many really dark on so many like dark issues and give it a good ending like a happy ending i would yeah. even say like it has not a happy a, ending not a um, sappy ending either because no like, it's 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 very triumphant it's very yeah. like um it's well earned it's quiet um, which is what i like and that's sort yeah. of how that's that's something that's really great about watchmen the book too is how quiet it ends like how mm -hmm. intimate well, how intimate the whole book is. And then when the event happens in the book, it gets huge. Like everything comes together. And that's when you get like the splash page after splash page of just the carnage and everything. And it's been building up to this. Yeah. This long, intimate, you know, snapshots and nine panel grids, that kind of thing of a book. Yeah. Built to this huge spectacle. And I would say the show's kind of like that. It's still like a TV show and it has moments of like large spectacle. Uh, but I like that even then, after the large spectacle on the last episode, it's all about Angela. It's all and her grandfather and her kids going home, that kind of thing. And it's yeah. on that nice, quiet note, which I think yeah. is true to the book. But at the same time, it's a different it's a different feel because it's all about, you know, it, it's it's about it's Lindelof's story. It's not Alan Moore telling the story. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about how it starts off. the uh, The first uh, episode is called "It's Summertime and uh, We're Running We're Running Out of Ice," uh, and it starts off with the flashback of the uh, the the Tulsa massacre, the the attack on Black Wall Street, um, and then it uh, and then it sort of proceeds um into the world of watchmen 2019 um and we sort of uh we see we get some world building when the cop pulls over the uh the guy who has the the truck full of lettuce um so what did you think about how you know we, we had that really intense scene um in the past but then we, we 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 jump into 2019 and we get this exchange here what did you think about how how it started once we moved to 2019, what did you think about how that this uh, this episode was? Um, um, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Noah. Oh, I was just going to ask if you guys knew about the Tulsa massacre before the show. I did not. I had no idea. Um, yeah. And yeah, was, I have to. I have to sadly admit, I did not know as well. I um, only know about it just because I watched a video about it like two weeks before I watched it last week. Yeah, I. Yeah. Um, it actually. This is like a conversation that I've had with um, on multiple occasions with a bunch of different people. Uh, just it kind of made me 
embarrassed <laughs> in regards to like how how little how little we like how little is covered in a, like like American history, even mm-hmm. as like recent as like 1921, which is I'm, I think that's when that correct when that happened, and just yeah, we just have like this idealized representation of um, American history, and that was a really huge event. That I mean, you wouldn't have known about it unless you you, you did some sort of deep dive into. Um, either you know Tulsa's like own like personal history or if or if you were really just trying to uh really just dive into it um yeah Dan Lindell I'm sorry go ahead oh no yeah I was just gonna further elaborate on that it's just kind of like one of those things where it's just like um uh, like American history as a general like as a general subject that I like learned in school and it was, I feel like there are a lot of things that kind of get glossed over because nobody wants to see like the ugly underbelly of, you know, how we are still struggling with a lot of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because like Lindelof sort of says the exact same stuff we're saying about it for him. Like he, he heard about it from an article that Ta-Nehisi Coates Mm-hmm. now a very famed superhero writer himself that kind yeah. of thing and uh what's interesting then is that the superhero parallels don't end there obviously like he's using this medium to draw attention to an event that everyone should know about yeah but, what's, but then on top of it how he makes it into the story is that i love you know the illusions he makes between hooded justice and superman mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing mm-hmm. so you know uh little will reeves is uh is uh you know of course watching the bass reeves short and stuff like that and bass reeves is wearing like the the, you know the black hat good guy going after the white hat bad guy in the in the in the show but then on top of that he's going outside and he's witnessing like the chaos and the like basically world ending event as a little kid yeah and he's sort of like you know he gets the sort of like uh you know, be like, you know, saved as being put into like a box, that kind of thing. And like the, the, the Krypton, down. the Krypton moment. Yes. He has yeah. the Krypton moment, which is, and then even has the, he has the baby wrapped in a blanket, like, like an American flag, which becomes ironic and symbolic and everything like that. Mm. Then eventually becomes the first uh, masked adventurer that inspires all of the masked adventurers going forward. Yeah. Uh, about that. Yeah. I loved how that set it up. And then again, well, I guess now thinking about it, you have that uh, that opening, which is sort of the Krypton moment, like Matt said. Then you flash forward to the current state of masks, basically, like mm-hmm. of superheroes with the police officer pulling over the guy. Yeah. Which is, that's a cool jump forward and uh, yeah, cool way to set the tone. Um, yeah, of the story going forward. Uh, but that that first uh like uh matt as a sci-fi writer what do you think of the whole idea of the police wearing masks and not being able to like access their guns without approval and stuff like that that's a pretty high concept idea yeah that was i i was i was when i was watching that i was like okay this is interesting um and as you you watch more episodes you you kind of see why the cops are 
um, you know, covering their face. Um, but I remember watching it and like he, uh, he makes the call that he needs the, he needs the gun and he's, he's trying to pull it out of the, uh, you know, the thing. And is that when he calls the, the panda to, to, and I'm like, Oh wow, this is going to get wacky now. So I was was like, I'm like, I'm into this now. Like I I was into it, but at that moment I'm like, okay, we're going to, the crazy's coming in. Oh, it's so absurd. Yeah. yeah and and then you just you see i also feel like that that's like a little off touch as well like he he has like this great way of just like i don't know if you guys ever watched the leftovers but he just has this like knack for like slipping in something seemingly like innocuous and then you see it and it's it's just like, oh my God, that is just so, it's like borderline silly, but it's also really surreal and like kind of. The polar bears on the island have lost. That's always what comes to mind, <laughs> that kind of thing. Like, But yeah, like yeah. You, you just like this, yeah, this, this cop is just asking who the dispatch or like who's like on like the dispatcher or who's on the desk that night. And they're just like, it's Panda and, he, and you're like, Panda? Like, is that just like, an, is that a nickname or, and then it, it is, it's like a dude in a panda suit. Like he's got a big dirty panda hat, like panda <laughs> helmet. And, oh man. And it's just, it's just like, it, you don't really see that character much, much after that in the show, but like just by that simple interaction, like you see something that was very well fleshed out and like, clearly has it has a purpose like the panda it, the panda is is a is supposed to be a motif of some sort um yeah it does come up later like uh when um wade has his flashback in the one episode he has the he's like with the jw's and he's handing out his pamphlets and uh pandas are on there and like they're like why are there pandas here and stuff like that it's like oh because all god's creatures are going to be with us and stuff like that or whatever mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, yeah I is it maybe like a dying race or like passivity or something like that yeah i i like i read something i read something about it a while ago and uh somebody like made a really great point that it it it, i mean the show the show is centered around race relations obviously Uh and the idea of like black and white um are uh like pretty huge themes in the show um and also animals in general are just kind of like they service like thematic elements in the show throughout um especially with the elephant um yeah um, like i think that's that's more related to like vietnamese culture um yeah the explanation i've gotten is that elephants are very much so that's very important to them yeah and the burden the burden of memory and um you know living with your living with your uh decisions and you know as the old the old adage elephants never forget (laughs) yeah um that's a very that's a very lindelof moment in whatever episode it is where she wakes up and she finds out she's been draining her memories into an elephant yeah Uh, at at that point i wasn't like i was like i was kind of like oh i'm not surprised that kind of thing like (laughs) that's never my reaction (laughs) and it's like i was like ah this at this point i'm like I'm accepting of everything. It's like, yeah. but it's not, not to underplay, like that moment's great. Like it's just, it's, 
Yeah, it's great, but at the same time, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. But. So, um, to 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 move us along, uh, I think uh, let's just talk a little bit about the sort of the 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 cliffhanger moment of uh, episode one. Angela goes out after um, receiving uh, like a phone call, um, and she goes out and finds. Uh, uh, she finds uh, an elderly African-American gentleman in a wheelchair, but more importantly, um, at this moment of the story, she finds uh, Judd uh, hung in the tree. So that's how we, that's how we end on one. Um, yes. What did you think about how, how it ended? In retrospect, it's really cool to see Will Reeves, the, the, the kid who's echoing Bass Reeves at the beginning about like, you know, trying to, to keep the, 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 the white people in the movie uh, from stringing up the the corrupt sheriff, you know, and trust in the law. Mm-hmm. So if even if you watch that if you watch that show, knowing like or just assuming that that little boy is an old man now, and there's an old man who's black, that kind of thing, you're like, oh, you put you put two and two together. That little boy at the beginning was like all about yeah, trust in the law. No, don't string up the sheriff. And you get to yeah. the end, and it's he's strung up the sheriff. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's the white. That's a- that's a great point. Yeah. The white hat sheriff too, you know, the, that kind of thing that wears a white hat throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, great. As like, that's another great thing about how it echoes the comic is that each episode could be self-contained on its own as well. Like there's mm-hmm. a complete story told in each episode that has like good beginnings, middles and ends that echo each other throughout the yeah. whole thing. And self-referential. Very yeah. self-referential, but also... Yeah, it fits with what the comic was too, where each comic fit within a larger whole and it, it fleshed out the mystery of what was going on. But you could read like Fearful Symmetry on its own, that issue, and be like, yeah, this is just a great issue of a comic and mm-hmm. not read anything else and be like fully satisfied with where it is. But obviously you have other things. So yeah, I really liked that. I liked how that ended. But what, yeah, let me know. What, what do you guys think? Oh, I mean... I think I think you 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 put it you put it in as as good as I could have put it uh, ever put it. <laughs> I definitely I, I don't I did not make that connection with the the with the the um, the movie when when a young Will was watching the movie at the beginning. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really awesome like. It, it just like opened up the floodgates for like a much deeper story. Um, it, it was clearly, it, it was clearly just like an obvious sort of nod to the audience of like, things are not what they seem and it's yeah. not going to be like, it's not going to, and we're going to show you in a way that's not like cheesy or bad. Like it's, it's very like, uh, yeah, I loved it. it. I mean, I just, I, I I fell in love with that show like immediately. So, um, what about you, Matt? What'd you think? Uh, yeah, I liked it um, because I had so many questions as to watching the previews of who Don Johnson was. Like, yeah. what character was he? And then to get to the end, and he's 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 dead, and I'm less like, you know, I, I've spent so many hours just sort of not hours but so many minutes watching trailers going okay i think that that's that guy maybe he's this guy but like you know one episode in he's 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 not he's not there 
All right, yeah, he's not going to be there anymore. So that was and really I, cool. I did not expect Don Johnson to be, you know, murdered uh, from beginning because I think that's like TV 101. You don't kill Don Johnson at the end of the episode <laughs> or something. <laughs> and he, his character goes on to be probably the most, like, even though he like, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's weird when you kill, like they killed the villain, like in the very beginning of yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is like, like once you just see the, 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 the lengths that he went to to deceive um, Sister Knight and like just the, the, the police, like the police community at large, like uh, it's so sinister. Um, Do you guys think he's the one in the video um, with the, the, the seventh cavalry reading out like the I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, it's possible. Like, it's totally possible. I mean, after I've actually I, I started rewatching it um, this past week, and uh, when they destroy the when he when he destroys the plane, like he's clearly doing that like with intent, like to cover something up. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And you you definitely don't pick up on stuff like I didn't pick up on that the first time I watched it. And, even after like thinking about it once I knew that he was like the villain, like I knew he was a bad guy. Um, but yeah, like it just, it just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a very interesting, interesting way to, to write the, to write out the villain. Like immediately they kill the villain, like right off the bat. And then you have to deal with like the consequences of everything that like he was doing for the rest of the show. Yeah, like, they even allude to him being sort of the comedian of the show, mm, that final frame of like the blood dropping on the back. Yeah, yeah. And and one of the things that I kind of regret knowing going into the book is I knew who everybody was before I read the book. Uh, Cause yeah, I was stupid and like flipped through the book and things like that of Watchmen. But <laughs> it would probably, me realizing who Judd was by the end of the episode, would be kind of like what people are realizing who uh, Edward Blake is throughout all of Watchmen as well. Like when you, you know that he's a superhero by the end of issue one, you don't know that he's the worst human being in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Issue two, three, and four. In that book, they kill off the worst of them in that first issue too. Yeah. Whereas that's, that's very true. There's definitely like, there's definitely a huge similarity between um Blake and, and Judd. Yeah. Um I would definitely say though, like just going back to like Moore's style stylization and just aesthetic, whereas he is more like Blake became a product of his environment. Right. And like became lost and became disenf- like just became uh disenfranchised and, and cynical as a result of that. Whereas Judd is just an evil person. Like right. Judd was Judd was bad from the from the very beginning. He's legacy like, evil. Yeah, yeah, he he never had he never had any oh, sorry guys. My, my my wife and I are watching the show and I'm kinda of like <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh, kinda let that out of the bag. But that's all right. Um anyways, yeah. so yeah, so yeah you you, you essentially established like this this character is like he was always bad and he is not only was he always bad his father was bad his father before him was bad and 
this is just like a this is just a culmination of events that have been like leading up and up to this point with with the Cyclops and you know what what they what, what their their grand design was for the end of the show. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, really great stuff. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I guess we should probably pick up the pace because, like, I think we could talk for hours on each episode, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I will also say, like, the name the I, the the name of the the title for the for the first episode is so. Uh, oh man, it's such a it's such a a poignant um, in. It's just it's just a very poignant title for uh, uh, just a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's the idea of like it's always been hot and like <laughs> and now there's no more ice to like like to, to 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 distract us from how hot it, it, it it's always been. So yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah. I never it, thought I never interpreted that way. I was just too obsessed with like. Did he name, did, did Lindelof name the character Judd and then decided to do all the Oklahoma <laughs> references? Or was he planning on the Oklahoma references and then named the character Judd? <laughs> I like your observation better. Yeah. All right. So uh, to, to keep us moving along, um, we we do get a, we do flash to, to a different location where we get uh, an old sort of well put together uh, Lord at his at his manor with uh, mm -hmm. Kirchanks and uh, and and Phillips, um, so they're they're celebrating the his first anniversary, um, and there's a lot of like, or are they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of like uh, stuff that's unexplained, and I guess a lot of people, you know, with some Watchmen knowledge, we were pretty sure that that was Ozymandias. Yeah, I like how even on the posters they said that he's probably who you think he is. That kind of yeah. Thing. But yeah, you yeah. just didn't you just didn't understand what was going on in that that yeah. that location and that uh, you know with those those circumstances there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I it's, like we, it, it's wacky. It's definitely like the yes. wacky. I would say it's like the wackiest element of the entire show. Um, it's the twisted, most twisted element of the show too, and that was. <laughs> I think that was the most Alan Moore of the whole show. That kind of thing having like, yeah. it, it, I got like flashbacks to things like from *Be for Vendetta* and uh, like, um, oh, what's his new series like *Providence* and yeah. uh, *Neonomicon* kind of stuff from that. Uh -huh. Have you read any of those books? Uh, I've read. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think I've read *Providence*. I read *Prometheus*. Um, Providence yeah. and Neonomicon will screw you up. Just yeah. like <laughs> they're, they're, they're very weird. But did that, I kind of got. Did you get those vibes too, Matt, from that whole sequence? Yeah, there was. There was. Uh, I think for me, mostly, uh, I was just trying to figure out. I, I was just so taken with like, what is what is going on here? Like, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what is going on because I'm I'm pretty sure I know who this guy is unless they're really throwing a a curveball at me. But just what's going on here? Yeah. Um. The the second episode, um, there was a lot of investigation into like Judd's past, um, and a little bit more of, uh, you know, uh, Azimandeus, uh. 
in two. And I think a lot of times, like when we talk about comic books, a lot of times, like they hit you with like that first issue. Um, they hit you with that, 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 that big moment. And then sort of the second issue is sort of like a, uh, uh, you know, a slowdown and a little bit of uh, backstory and world building. So I think we got a little bit of, a little bit of that in this kind of storytelling yeah. as well. Yeah. I feel like, um, you, you were touching on the, the, the element of, of there, there being a mystery um, to Ozymandias' uh, story arc, or Veidt's story arc in, in the show. And I kind of feel like it's almost referential to the Black Freighter yes. in the comic, because yes. it, it's so, it's, it's attached to the, sto- to the overall story of the show, but it's self-contained. It's mm-hmm. like vignette, it's, it's a vignette of sorts, because yeah. Um, it, it is so, it's literally on another planet. So it's just kind of its own thing. And it's also, it, it plays in nicely just with Veidt's general personality because he's so self-obsessed and detached from everything that's going on in the world to begin with. So It's out um, of space and time too, which is that, like, that's the aesthetic. Like, it's like, it feels like it takes place in Victorian England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is and, like his weird he has like this weird idealization of like what like nobility is and what like yeah uh, what it would be to like live a perfect like utopian life and he very quickly becomes uh bored with it yeah and uh yeah yeah and he it, like his whole he, he he's like living in a play of his own his own cre- like his own like creation Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then and, that comes like the play within a play. Yeah, comes. it becomes yeah very self-referential and meta yeah. in that regard, especially with the whole debacle with like the the warden and yes, uh, the 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 trial where he turns himself into like this Count of Monte Cristo sort of character where he yeah. like escapes from prison and it's just <laughs> so ridiculous and yeah. he's so pompous and so like self-absorbed and narcissistic and it's just yeah it, it it's it's great it's so great it's so great i think him and um i cannot remember her name who plays Lori are having the most fun out of the whole cast gene uh, smart gene smart yeah yeah i think both of them are just like having a blast playing their characters. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, and Gene Smart. And uh, if we want to move on to issue three, we can talk about. I've been. I want really want to talk about Laurie. Yeah. Um, so that's. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Like, I felt like I kind of. No, dude. You said everything there. needed to be said about Ozymandias. Yeah. So. No worries. Yeah. So uh, as as Noah was saying, uh, uh, one of the key developments in uh, episode three, she was killed by space junk. Um, <laughs> is the introduction of Lori Blake, not Lori, not Lori Jupiter, but Lori yeah. Blake. Um, uh, she is a FBI agent uh, now. Um, and she's uh, being, she's been sent to Tulsa. Um, we meet uh, Senator Joe Keaton Jr. Um, uh, there's a, there's a funeral for uh, Judd, uh, 7th Cavalry, uh, guy shows up and threatens to uh, to blow everybody up, but uh, Lori uh, Lori shoots him. Um, so that's where that that part of it ends. Um, but another 
aspect of this is Lori sitting in the in the phone booth, uh, make trying to make a phone call um, to to Doctor Manhattan. She's telling a joke. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm just, and so uh, the 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 is it the car that gets dropped? Yeah, at the end yeah. of this episode, yeah, yeah. the car that got uh, abducted in the lat in the pre in episode two gets dropped. Yeah, next to Lori in this and, one, um, and we yeah. find out we find out how that happens yeah, later. For yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like. Yeah. So I mentioned how Judd was sort of the comedian, sort of character, and sort of how he affects the plot. Mm-hmm. But like the actual comedian character in this is Lori. Because in this in this episode, certainly, yeah. yeah, yeah, she's she's just like filled with cynicism and um and just the the fact that she knows that she's not talking to Doctor Manhattan, like yeah, it she she's it's yeah it's it's all very um yeah. And so yeah. there was also the moment when um, Lori and Angela meet up uh, and. Uh, Lori mentions to her that she went by Angela's house and she talked to her husband who was who was very attractive by the way which yeah. we, which, uh, which plays into how the the, the uh, what we find out in later episodes um, another key development here is is as they're flying in we see the uh, the millennium clock uh, as Pete and Lori fly in which is going to be a, a key development later yeah yeah. Um, did you I like so having read the book, I'm wondering if people who did not read the book knew what Joe Keen was referring to about the owl in the cage. You know? Oh like yeah. People got um, that, like or if that was just a deep cut references for us nerds. That so kind of thing. Yeah. I think there's a little bit about so if you read the Pedopedia file, Lori and uh Dan, Dan, yeah, are in this alternate timeline, they are at the Oklahoma City bombing and they're caught and Dan won't talk. So they just put him in a prison cell. Oh, wow. And she sort of agrees to sort of head up their anti-vigilante task force. So that's why we don't see him. And I think that's why he makes that comment about the little birdie in the cage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which I thought was, I, I, I think we're going to touch on this later, but I, I feel like that was kind of like an open, that, just like little story elements like that. It's just like, are they going to make another season of this show? Like, yeah, it's kind of like, that's a huge thing to like, just subtly drop in there. Um, especially if, yeah, if you're familiar with the comic, um, that's yeah. just like an interesting little Easter egg to want to unpack but um yeah of all the characters though that they brought back i I mean i love dr manhattan in any form that he comes in and i love ozymandias but i I always feel like laurie's never done right by you know (laughs) like uh in the movie especially you can tell Zack snyder just did not care about her that kind of thing and like you know like her character is, is just sort of there you know that kind of thing and um I also feel like maybe Alan Moore wrote her to be a little too like whiny and at times too. And I, and I was really happy and I, but I still think her character is really interesting in the book. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I was just sort of happy to see her be 
such a cool character in this show. Like from any any scene she's in, I was like like lit up. I was like, oh, good, she's here. That kind of thing. Like yeah. automatically. Yeah. Yeah, she was jaded, but she also still had like a, a glimmer of like sentimental um uh just life in her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, mostly jaded and angry. And I, I, I also really appreciated that. Yeah. So so in this episode, when we cut to um, the the English or the the uh, the, the Lord in his manner, he's he's writing a letter to the to the game warden. Yeah. Or he's actually, I think maybe he's no, he's typing it out, or is he dictating? <laughs> no, he's dictating it. it. He's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's dictating, dictating it. it. <laughs> and then he says, he says, uh, you know, sign, he signs it as Adrian Veidt. So then we have yeah. at that moment we know confirmation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which is sort of it didn't get that didn't really land for me because I was like, duh, he's Ozymandias <laughs> from the beginning. Like, I know who he is, but he what, what's cool about that is, and I watched the video and I didn't realize it. He's uh, the the sign off that he uses is from uh, uh, is one of the supplementary things in the comics, um, so that he he signs it off in uh, like with like his sort of his equivalent to Excelsior. Okay. <laughs> um, which is in the comics, sort of like if you read like one of his sort of like one of the articles back there, um, like he has something in the back of comic books about like how to grow muscle and he always signs it off with that way. So that's, that's a cool thing about that letter right there is that he signs it off that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I love, I just love his, uh, his rivalry with the game warden <laughs> developed was, as a was I a, was I a worthy opponent, master? I love this. Right. You're just like no, no not really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he's just sort of like he like he has to think about it when he gets to that point. Like no, that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> I <laughs> so the uh, the the next episode is uh, if you don't like your story, write your own. Yeah. Um, and this starts off with a with a with a couple um at a uh, a farm um and lady true we get introduced to lady true i think we've seen her daughter um yeah. previously yeah. Eric slash uh, mother yeah <laughs> slash mother yeah it's, we got we gave the spoiler alert yeah yeah <laughs> so she shows yeah. up to to buy the farm um and uh, th this couple can't have a child, um, so she sort of genetically builds an exact replica of what their what their child would be. Yeah, uh, they have a certain time to 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 agree to sell the farm, um, and then we see uh, something lands. Uh, you know, they they t they make the deal at the last second, and almost you know right after that, something lands um, in the farm. More, That's super, what, more Superman illusions there. Yeah, which yeah is, definitely. Which is cool that like he sort of builds up this, like all these illusions to Superman. And even in the next, I don't, I don't know if it's the next episode, it's two episodes then later when Will decides to become Hooded Justice. He goes up to a guy who's reading action comics, number 30, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, but like that right there, that logic, I was like, oh, that's Dr. Manhattan coming back or something like that. And uh, then, of course, later on, you're like, "Oh, I get it." That kind yeah. of yeah, so, yeah. That's kind of the direction. Yeah, which which kind of makes me. I just had this thought. Like, all there are so many allusions to Superman in the show, 
but it all they, they all seem to point to like the emptiness of a character like that like yeah. like the idea of like because will was hooded justice but he was hiding behind like a white mask because yeah he was if he if he really was like allowed himself to be who he actually was he wouldn't have been accepted as a, people yeah. wouldn't have thought of him as a hero so yeah. um good point and then and then like yeah like you were just saying you, as the like your first time seeing the show your first instinct is to assume that it's dr manhattan that's returning but actually it's just a hollow shell with an even more hollow man inside of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> man oh that's a good that's a hot take i love that <laughs> Oh man, that's that's really good. Um, but also, oh, um, that, being a married man, that that opening of that episode really tugged at my heartstrings. Um, mm. With like the woman and the with like you know dropping her eggs and her husband helping her and everything. Yeah, like, yeah. That was really like strange. a sort of pastoral sort of. Uh, yeah, very pastoral. But at the same picture. time, like, you can't have that in this show, and they make that point. Y yeah. Like, we got to show these people be desperate, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, like, just going back to what we were saying, what I was saying earlier about, like, this show does a, it, it masterfully, like, walks the line of, uh, like, cynicism and sentiment. Like, yeah, it, it shows that you can have both. And it's really, really hard to write something like that and have it, uh, have it register on both both ends of the spectrum um, yeah. and, and and Lindelof like does it perfectly in my opinion he does um, yeah I really think so I think I'll I don't know if it's this episode or the next episode that I kind of have some issues like I think there are certain things like that Lindelof does like he just puts weird things in there just to put weird things in you yeah. know and my yeah. experience with Lindelof is that like it doesn't always pay off. Like it'll mm -hmm. sometimes just be something weird. So I don't know if it's this episode or the next one with like the, the lube man, that kind of thing that like goes running through and they have that long chase. Lube man. Oh yeah. With him and night, night, uh, sister oh, night, sister night. Um, so do you think that that was Pete? That's what I thought. Like, I think it's, it's... I, I was expecting it to be Petey and like it to be some kind of like, uh, that like Lori sent Petey to go spy on him, her or something like that. Um, it's the it's gonna be the uh, the Lube Man spinoff. You you thought you're gonna get Watchmen season two? You're just gonna get the Adventures of Lube Man. <laughs> oh man, it is so, that, but it is this episode actually <laughs> because he slides it. He, there's all the allusions to re reproduction in this episode, and he yeah he lubes himself up and he slides into a hole. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. And there's like always this like allusion to like eggs and like everything, like reproduction. This is the reproduction yeah. episode. Um, yeah. Like it's uh, like that's sort of like it, even when it doesn't make sense or pay off, like it still fits with thematically within the show, um, which so, is, it, is great, but it, it is sort of an empty thing. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple key, more key developments here is, is that, uh, uh, they, they find Will's fingerprints on Angela's car after it, it lands. That leads them to go talk to Lady True. Mm -hmm. um, and Lady True talks to Angela in Vietnamese and wants to know if she has the, the pills. Yeah. 
Um, so that sort of gives us, you know, more allusions to something's going on. Uh, but then we go to uh, Vite fishing the the fetus the baby fetus is out of oh the lake. Oh my god, so and, weird. And baking more Phillips and uh Kirkshanks to, <laughs> oh to, to catapult them. So horrifying. Catapult them out of <laughs> what appears to be some sort of zone that he's trapped in. So yeah. the, the the craziness oh. factor uh continues to to be ratcheted up here. Just exponentially yeah. crazy. Oh my, yeah, poor boy. It's so, yeah. it's so absurd, but also, I, I almost feel like uh, this show, in a lot of ways, is a referendum on, on like, on Ozymandias and Dr. Manhattan, and, like, we actually, we actually, like, experience some semblance of justice at the end yeah. in regards to their characters, but, like, that moment in particular where you just see the lengths that this person will go to Mm-hmm. To craft just, just to like, yeah, just to like, just to like, do what he wants to do. Like, yeah. it, it's like nothing to him to to spawn like potentially hundreds of of people for the sole purpose of um, having them be part of this elaborate like Rube Goldberg plan of like writing a message writing a message on a planet that he doesn't even know anybody will see. It's just, yeah. it's just like, is, is he bored or is he, is he, is he actually going insane or is he just like, no, he, he's literally that callous and sociopathic. He doesn't value human life to any extent. Um, well, he's, a, he's a narcissist and yeah, like yeah, the book, the book makes that clear that he's not, he doesn't save the world in the end. For any other reason, no, to like show he that won he a game, yeah. that kind of thing. Like he, he, just, he sees it as conquering. Like he feels like, like he's Alexander the Great, right? Yeah. You know, so he's like he's not doing it to save lives. He's doing it to conquer. You know. Yeah. And then, but I love how in episode eight, when Doctor Manhattan arrives and he goes and he goes to Vite after everything's happened, and Vite's just this lonely like decrepit old man who's like no one knows what i did and i have no meaning that kind yeah. of thing but i have to maintain this peace so i can still win that kind of thing and uh yeah yeah and uh it makes everything then like in retrospect makes so much sense as to why he brings these people into the world just to kill them and uh you know like just so he can have them worship him for a little bit and then throw them away because they're beneath him yeah uh, well, he he yeah. he seemingly just like has become bored with even that, like, yeah. like yeah, like his 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 like perceived i like concept of of a utopia is living in some weird pastoral idea of like Victorian like some Victorian era with like servants that like adore and worship him, and yeah. he just like eventually gets to a point where like it does nothing for him. Um. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, 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 I'm jumping ahead here, but like the end of the the end of the show when he just gets arrested, like they just arrest him, and yeah. I almost feel like Lindel, like Lindelof is just kind of like, that's what should have happened. Like, yeah. this person is crazy, and like, 
He doesn't deserve um, a grandiose way of dying. No, that kind no, of thing. he doesn't. He's pathetic. Like underneath yeah. it all, he's just a pathetic old man now. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I, I almost kind of feel the same way about about uh, about Manhattan's dem- demise. It, it, it's it was it was a long time coming. Like he he he's like this being who's constantly aware of the fact that he shouldn't exist yet he never like takes the leap himself to get to like to exact that problem because yeah. he's too he's too arrogant and too afraid to do it so yeah. it's yeah i guess that's like what i meant when i was thinking like the end of that show is like a referendum on like the the moral outlooks of of uh Ozymandias and Dr. Manhattan. It's yeah. just like, it was It was a righteous conclusion to both of their stories. Um, but yeah, anyways, sorry. Yeah, no, so jump, Jumping ahead. Across the board too, because like even like Rorschach, Rorschach's followers in the end get his fate as well. Like, yeah. You know, in the end too, like they get <laughs> oh, yeah. like, like, with him, like he did, you know, but like, but then it was, you know, Rorschach died nobly because he was like, no, everyone needs to know the truth. Now, sort of like the one moment where he got to redeem himself to be like, where his philosophy actually mattered, where he was like, no, he killed millions of people. He deserves to be put to justice. And Manhattan was like, no, kill you. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, But here, but he, but he still was a very hateful racist, you know, despicable, like misogynistic, Mm -hmm. Homophobic, homophobic, yeah, yeah, fascist. like classist, everything, that kind of thing, like person, and then all his followers die, which again might, I think, plays into sort of the meta narrative of this book, of this show too. You know, the people who worship Doctor Manhattan, like who, there are two groups of people who interpret the book the wrong way. Those are mm-hmm. the people that look at it and they're like, Manhattan's the hero of the story, or they look at it and they're like, Rorschach's the hero of the story, or you know anyone is the hero of the story they're all wrong there are no heroes of the story to watchmen that kind of thing and yeah exactly the show punishes the followers like the fans basically like the oh it's so great yeah i'm glad that you said that um, you know like it punishes the guys who think rorschach is the hero of the story you know that kind of thing and it punishes the people who think manhattan is the hero of the story yeah and, oh, and, it was and, really and but Buddy, the only person who thinks he's the hero of the story, so automatically he gets punished. <laughs> yeah, you know, that kind of thing. I'm 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 glad that you said that because one of my favorite one of my favorite things about this show didn't even necessarily have to do with anything that happened in the show. It had to do with the fact that it pissed off so many people who had preconceived notions about like what Watchmen actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was just it was just a great middle finger to a lot of a lot of uh fanboys who were very very angry that the show didn't like fulfill whatever they were hoping it was going to like in regards to it being like a sequel whatever they thought like a proper sequel to Watchmen was supposed to be like they thought they were going to see Rorschach they thought they were going to see they thought they were going to see Night Owl and there were going to be hijinks and there wasn't going to like no like that's not at all what what the story was about to begin with it was it's a heavily nuanced, very, very uh, um, anti-hero like narrative. So yeah, it is the anti-hero narrative. Yeah, yeah, so it's, yeah, yeah. But 
uh, I digress, but that, that is one of the things I love most about the show is just how it just like it using bite as an example anyone who's a fan of Veidt, including himself, gets punished for thinking that he did Yeah, definitely. That's so interesting. Yeah. All right, so moving into uh, episode five, uh, A Little Fear of Lightning, um, we, 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 jo- we join a young Wade who is uh, looking glass in the, uh, uh, the, the police department. He is in uh, New Jersey. Or actually, no. I'm sorry. Did I jump he's in ahead? He's like, he's like in Hoboken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But is that? I'm, I'm, no, this actually. Um, uh, I thought it was Atlantic City, wasn't it? No, it's he's right outside New York. So oh, okay. Hoboken, and because uh, then they zoom out, and it's this scene from the end of. Oh right, yeah. You see, you see the space yeah. monster. So it's it's, it's uh, Hoboken, and yeah, uh, and he's being led by Ned Flanders. Basically, um, is his. Uh, his uh cult leader i guess uh wade's cult yeah leader. yeah yeah uh, so um yeah they're like proselytizing yeah and you get the nod heads from the book yeah um, yeah uh so wade finds out that the the pills are nostalgia yeah um uh which will play in later um a lot of cool like this is sort of again fitting within that what Vince was talking about like the 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 sentimentality and the cynicism Mm -hmm. like Wade sort of is this uh like you know cynical person that needs to like sort of regain his sentiment as it goes but also like sort of be torn down like be broken but then like reformed by being broken again you know Mm -hmm. which is weird uh, but like, it, it, I love all the motifs in this episode involving like broken glass and mirrors and reflections and. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Um, and we were, we've been touching on a lot of like the, there's, I mean, the show is riddled with, with references to um, like alluding to like the original cast of, of Watchmen and obviously looking glass is supposed to be some sort of um, representation of, of Rorschach, but he's the name is it's such a it's such a app it's like a, a very good name for his character because he's like an other he's like the other rorschach he's like yeah. he's like he, he's a negative he's like negative rorschach, negative which rorschach. Is, he's emotionally intelligent he's empathetic, also, he's empathetic he's very um he's impressionable and he is like clearly searching for something yeah um and he's yeah he's still he's still like like um Noah was just saying he has an element of sentiment in his in his uh worldview um which is it's interesting it's just like uh they like actually made like they made a Rorschach that was like uh, like a good person, like he's actually yeah. a good person. Like this is the these are the characters to like actually look up to that kind of yeah. thing. Wade to Wade and uh, Angela and uh, and I guess those are the only two. Now I think about it, Angela, yeah. Angela and Wade. Yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. yeah the, the what's the, it. <laughs> what was it? Gypsy pirate and Red Scare or yeah. something? I don't know. I, if just, I like those guys either. Pirate, pirate Jenny. <laughs> I like them simply because they're, I, I think they're, they're supposed to be silly. Like, I yes. think they're just supposed yeah. to be like, yeah, I'm 
superheroes are back. Like, yeah. And these are the two Kmart superheroes that we have. Yeah. Like, it's just very, it's very obvious that they're supposed to be ridiculous. And I, I yeah. kind of like that they, they kind of, they kind of uh, are self-aware of it. Just given their, given their costumes, they're so. Yeah. Yeah, Pirate well, Jenny is wearing like, I don't know, it, like an amalgamation of stuff that like somebody might wear like on the weekend, on like a weekend going to like a club in like New York City or something. And then yeah, it's like Mardi Gras weekend for yeah, her. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then Red Scare is wearing like a red jumpsuit with a red mask, and he carries a machine gun. And stuff. Yeah. Uh, I guess he's Russian and he likes communism. <laughs> he's a communist. Say, he even goes so far as to say that he is a communist, which I think like, I'm not so... a Nazi. I'm a communist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of other key developments here is uh, Wade is uh, lured into the uh, the warehouse that the uh, the Seventh Cavalry has, um, and he sees the portal. Uh, but also another thing is is that. Uh, uh joe senator joe keaton jr shows him the the videotape that Vite made for president redford uh explaining to him how he had set all of these uh you know things into motion um so we get we get that sort of uh development there um but uh wade um sort of sells out uh angela yeah because Lori has the uh the cactus bugged so she finds out that the confession or the the sort of confession that she makes to to wade um so angela is arrested but she takes all the nostalgia pills before they can take them from her mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, also sort of to, to wrap up uh, sort of the developments of this, we see that um, it's revealed that Vite is writing, save me with the, the bodies that he's catapulting out of the zone. And it says in the show, it says, save me D. And we don't know, is it, is it gonna say, Dr. Manhattan, what is it going to say? Yeah. We find out it is later that, it, that it's daughter. But uh, what do you think about the developments here um, in, in this? I guess this is almost the midpoint of the, the nine episodes. You can go ahead, Vince. Um, man, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, well, just going back to uh, initially to Vite's um, uh, attempts to get the attention of his daughter um i like to just just like reading into that a little bit it's really again it's super dark and but also really funny the idea that he's writing save me with like other bodies yeah <laughs> um just like piles of dead bodies um yeah, i just think that that's really funny uh and also <laughs> horrible uh, it's also so maybe like a, a uh, it's speaking in the language because he knows that his daughter is sort of a is very much so like him. Yeah, she would appreciate like she thinks that the way to express love to a person is by killing a lot of them, a lot of mm -hmm. other people. Like that's sort of how like the that's fact that she, she yeah, the fact that he went to those links 
just to get her attention. Yeah. Like it, it, it placated her ego in just the right way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then also, but also to, as we find out later, he won't acknowledge her as his daughter. Yeah. So that's important as well. But I think also just on top of it, his way of showing love is by killing a lot of people. Like, yeah. 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 It's, um, uh, yeah. yeah um, the, the nostalgia. Yeah. This is the episode. So this is the episode. She takes all the nostalgia. Yeah. She swallows. The episode them six them. is when she um, goes on, on the, the memory odyssey, I guess, yes. as it were. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess going like when I saw, like when you see Wade sell her out, I almost don't even like, it, it seemed like that made sense to me. Like I was just like, I can see why he did that. Like, I think he did that out of a place of like, he genuinely thought he was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you can tell that he feels conflicted about it. Um, like when it happens, um, which just, yeah, goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, he's he's a conflicted person who doesn't have his he doesn't have like his morals or his like worldview like set in stone he's he's constantly kind of changing and with with like new things that are being impressed upon him yeah um, which which is cool that like at that point you think he's switched sides like yeah you do totally on you board. Do. like i thought i was like oh wow he's gonna be a white supremacist now yeah. yeah and uh but i like in the end yeah he puts the <laughs> i love just that little moment of him putting the the psychic attack alarm in the trash can <laughs> and then coming back and grabbing it <laughs> like, like that, but like like you said about him being sort of the anti rorschach you know rorschach whole thing like you know no compromise even the, in the face of armageddon that's yeah. that moment for him where he's like no, I'm not going to compromise. That kind yeah, of that's a good, yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, like he's not going to compromise on, you know, he realizes he's betrayed his friend and he's not going to make that mistake again. That kind yeah. Of, he's not let his guard down. He's not going to yeah. trade one, one form of manipulation for another, you know? Yeah. And uh, I really like that. So he still takes the alarm, that kind of thing, because he knows that they're going to be using the same powers in order to take yeah. Yeah, which is also, oh man, one of my favorite moments is, it, like, one of my favorite, like, moments in the show is, like, that buddy cop moment where he, like, he's just like, it's me. Like, I'm, yes, at the I'm end. working, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Angela's just kind of like, what? Like, you've been yeah. here this whole time? <laughs> but, and also just shout out to, oh man, I cannot remember his name, who plays Wade. Oh yeah, I was trying to I was trying to think of that too. Um, well, I love I love him for everything that he does. Most recently, Buster Scruggs, like he's just like the such yeah. a good actor. And yeah, he is a great actor. Uh, I can't remember his name. I have to look that up. And I can remember. We have we have something that can easily tell us what that what, is. What is that? What, what is that? <laughs> what can I look up? But his performance is just heartwarming to the max. It just so good the whole time yeah um um what what, what matt what, what what were you uh tim tim Blake nelson. At, what, tim Blake nelson. what yeah. were you getting at in particular in regards to uh uh that moment when um that it's almost kind of like a judas moment with yeah with uh with wade and angela 
Yeah, so no, that's we talked about it a little bit here. Um, he's re, he's reluctant, but um, you know, Laurie sort of put him in this position where he sort of has no no choice other than to sort of coax this confession out of her. Yeah, Not, and it he actually at that moment doesn't know that the the cactus is bugged. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to, to, to move us along, uh, as we said, she, uh, Angela takes the uh, nostalgia pills and, and episode six is uh, an extraordinary uh, being, um, which is a lot of, it gives us the ability to, to go back and tell this backstory with Angela sort of sliding in and out of the, the memories of her grandfather. We, mm. and so um, this was a really, it was a really cool break in the story because we went back, we, we filled in some stories, but um, you know, a lot of it was done in black and white. Uh, it was a, it was a period piece. So uh, this was a really cool episode. what did you guys think about it? Uh, it's one of my favorite episodes of the whole show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it 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 does it, it 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 oh man it does such a great job of diving into more peripheral parts elements of uh, the history that exists in the Watchmen universe. Mm -hmm. um, more so, even I would say than um, anything that you can glean from the the original books, uh, and yeah, it's. In particular, like when just I'm thinking specifically about Hooded Justice um, and his relationship with uh, Captain um, Metropolis, Captain Metropolis, which is yeah. kind of like this. Um, immediately, what came to my mind was uh, uh, Ralph Ellison's uh, Invisible Man, like the relationship of like this white, this white man who has like idealized notions of um like society and he essentially like conscripts like a black man to be like the face of all of that but he he insists that he does so from like the white man like a white man's perspective and i just think that that's like a it, it just like that episode in particular like touches very very strongly on like the race the race themes in the show, the racial themes in the show. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just thought it was, it was very well done. Um, yeah, I agree. I think uh, it's probably my favorite episode cause I'm a sucker for things trying to look like long takes. So mm -hmm. like, I like that it was trying to be told like all in one take and everything. And then of course I love all the allusions to Superman. Uh, but I also like uh, the contrast of like the action and fight scenes in this one are just so brutal yeah. and hard hitting. Like it feels like sort of the objective brutality of something like John Wick. Whereas like they show, they show the, 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 the fight in the, um, in the grocery store on the stupid TV show, mm -hmm. the American yeah. hero story earlier. And it's like done in Zack Snyder way, which is one uh, of the yeah. movie is that, the movie makes it out all these characters out to be like overpowered kung fu artists that kind of thing um whereas then in this one they show like the real reasons what what, what that what that robbery was all about it was about him taking out down some kkk members and it's really brutal 
objective brawling like you know you hear the bones cracking that kind of thing yeah people getting really hurt and uh he's just a brute force kind of guy and there's nothing really romantic there's, it's very like satisfying because you like to see some kkk members get their asses handed to him mm-hmm. but you know like you you but still it's so brutal and it it shows just how violent and hateful he was at the time uh towards these people and uh they, they, they play on this throughout is that whether he was angry or whether he was afraid, you know, uh, throughout the whole time, but you can kind of get a, a bit of both. And that actor who's in, who plays young will is, is also phenomenal. He's also in, um, when they see us mm. and, uh, another one of my sort of underrated classic favorites, um, overlord. Um, he's a great, oh, yeah. actor. he's an overlord. Yeah. He's the main guy in overlord. He's awesome. But he, uh, one of the things, well, this is the one episode, though, I have a complaint about character-wise, is that I feel like his wife leaves him without, like, a lot of, like, sort of growth of tension between them. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like it's sort of a snap moment where she's like, I'm out of here, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And um, it, 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 it's not like it's not rational what she does because he is violent and he's sort of leading this sort of violent life that might affect their son eventually. But she doesn't, at the beginning of the episode, she's all on board for it. But by the end, like, there's not enough of, like, I, don't, I feel like there's not enough of a gradual, like, get to the point where she's, like, against what he does. But that was sort of, that's sort of why my complaint. I don't know if you guys felt differently about that. Uh, no, I, I, I think that uh, her, she's, okay, so the wife was the child. Yeah, the child. That Will mm-hmm. found. Yeah. yeah, I think that I also was a little confused with like just the pacing of that, but yeah, um, it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, I would say that 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 would be like it's a it's, minor complaint, really. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a light criticism. Of, yeah, yeah. But um, that's, that's the only like real criticism I have of like outside of just serious nitpicking and stuff like that. That's like maybe the only one I have of the whole show. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah but i i think this might be my favorite episode still i just i just love like i said i'm a sucker for black and white and also for uh integrating color into black and white at times when they would just like intersect the flashbacks to the tulsa massacre into his life just to show this sort of uh like nostalgia almost gives you sort of like the manhattan powers to sort of witness everything at once yeah and to experience Mm -hmm. time and how everything shapes you all these traumas shape you and your choices for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great episode and uh, probably one I would watch out of order just because of how good the story is. I was. actually did that. I did that earlier today. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good episode. Um, it is a great episode. Uh, so, uh, a key thing that uh, uh, Will Reeves discovers is the, the sort of hypnotizing machine that, uh, that they're hoping, well, they actually they, they do use. Um, uh, but he takes it, which he uses. He'll we'll we'll see how he uses it later. But that was a, a you seen in the episode that he uses it. That's how he hangs Judd. Is that yeah. he basically hypnotizes Judd into hanging himself? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that was that was a cool moment. Um, and uh, again, a cool. Uh, I love uh, then again drawing parallels to Angela and who she is is because of like the past trauma that her family has experienced as well. Yeah, um, playing on those themes, which they talk about throughout the whole thing, is that like trauma, like genes and 
everything can be passed on through generations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good episode. I love it. Again, I could probably devote a whole podcast just to that episode. Like it was like, and not just one episode, like a whole series, just to that one episode. I loved it so much. Yeah, and yeah, there's and there's there's a ton of stuff to unpack in that episode as far as like the the thematic elements of. Uh, I feel like that show. It, it was like it was the uh, it's the mantelpiece of like bringing all of the themes uh, together. Yeah. It's the perfect uh, midpoint. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah, like in a three act structure, you know, it's it's the point where the characters, but all the characters involved, make a decision that they can't take back. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's yeah, it's really great, and um, then the episodes after that are pretty awesome too. Oh, so, yeah. so the the next episode is seven. It's an almost religious awe, and uh, Angela's still uh, uh, feeling the effects of the nostalgia, but um, it gives us the the backstory of Angela as a child in Vietnam, which is the fifty first state of mm-hmm. the United States, um, and we see sort of the 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 fate of her of her parents here um you know the and uh i guess is this where her her relative comes and tells her yeah. that she's going to take her back to to Tulsa and this is so that's the this is her grandma who is the the, the baby at the correct. beginning of the series and the wife of Will Reeves comes so that's that's home. the the mechanism to get Angela from Vietnam to to Tulsa Yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this is a cool episode. Um, probably my favorite part of this episode, unless you guys really want to talk about everything, but unless you guys really just want to get to the hammer at the end, uh, (laughs) uh, just that moment of like her talking to Cal and then being like whammo, like over the head, that kind of thing. Oh Um, yeah. 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 Did you guys see did you guys see Cal being Dr. Manhattan? Cause I kind of did because they were making a lot of illusions. Uh, I didn't, I, I, I thought, I thought that some, I thought that Dr. Manhattan was posing as a human. And honestly, I yeah. thought, I thought initially it was, uh, I thought it was her adopted son. Uh, yeah. Because there's that, there's that scene when he's building the city on the, yeah. on the maglev, on that maglev. It's the exact same house as the house that Ozymandias lives on, too. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, it's, and it's the house that they have the footage of Manhattan building on Mars, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, dang, her son's Dr. Manhattan. And he just yeah. has, like, yeah. this precociousness about him that yeah. I was just like, I think Dr. Manhattan is that little kid. Like, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, kind of, I kind of figured he was posing as a human, but I did not see that coming. I was, but I, I knew it was Cal though, as soon as they asked if Judd was in heaven and he was like, no, there is no heaven. That kind of thing. Like he was oh, he, like, like coldness. He, yeah. Like, like he was, he did not exist. He existed. Now he doesn't exist. And then. That mm. body has the same number of cells. That oh, kind of yeah. thing. Like, yeah. Like, and that's. Like he doesn't really see any any difference, and when he said that, I was like, and then also the um, when she has the flashback, when Angela has the flashback to the night where all the 
7th Cavalry went and killed all the police officers, she blacks out and you don't know where Cal is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I bet Cal's Dr. Manhattan. That kind of thing. And like saved her <laughs> in that moment. Yeah. But also, I love David Bowie and that they chose to play and that Trent Reznor as Atticus Ross made the greatest score for any TV show ever. Yeah, I was going to say that earlier. That That's like, yeah, it's like one of the umpteenth things that I like really loved about this show, but it, it has a, a flawless soundtrack. Yeah, um, but having Life on Mars, such a good rendition at the end of the episode by David yeah. Bowie, that was like, I was like, all right. You're up there at the faves now. That kind of yeah. thing. Like you can't you can't go wrong after that. It's that kind of thing. I'm like, you could start the next episode could start with like the hundred one Dalmatians running through the doors and it just being about <laughs> them. And it would still be one of my favorite TV shows ever. <laughs> so like I was yeah, I was all on board. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I also the the song, like the cue the cueing of the song inside of the interrogation module. In the yes. first episode, oh, yeah. yes, when when Looking Glass when Looking Glass is is interrogating that member of the Seventh Cavalry, it's it's just like it's so abrupt. Like there's just like an abruptness to a lot of the like uh, tracks in the show that like you almost sound, it almost sounds like you're listening to a mixtape in a lot of ways because there is no there's no like swelling in with any of the songs. It's just like it just like starts with a Devo song. It just starts with like a David Bowie song. It's really. Yeah. That's one of my complaints about the movie is that it feels like it's looking for excuses to play music. And when you watch like these classic, like these classic rock songs. Yeah. Yeah. Like the big one is they play 99 red balloons in one scene and it cuts in and it cuts out so abruptly and it's so distracting and jarring. Whereas I didn't feel that with this show. And, um, uh, no, it's it's well constructed, and, and Lindelof said that they got Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross started writing music before filming, oh, so wow. they were able to to play music on set and to get the directors into the mood and the tone as it was going, and then they could edit those the shows already on the tracks that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross recorded, yeah. like for it already. So that like always a good hallmark of a good score is not having a temp score that it's based off of. Yeah. And, uh, like having the music inform the filmmaking as much as the filmmaking is informing the music. So that's something that rarely happens. So it, you know that it's good when it does happen. Yeah. That's my film geekiness for you. So no, that's, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also just quick side note, if you're a fan of Atticus, Atticus, uh, uh, if, uh, Trent Reznor and, uh, Atticus Ross, uh, you should check out the uh, the Vietnam um, documentary that uh, oh, what's his name did he did the like Ken some Burns? Work. Yeah, the Ken Burns uh, Vietnam documentary. Oh, they did uh, the music for that. I need to watch that. Now. Yeah, it's incredible. It's very, okay. yeah, it's awesome. Um, which, yeah. Okay. Well, well, ties into this. <laughs> well sti- yeah, sticking with Vietnam, uh, uh, episode eight, the, the next to last episode is a God walks into a bar. Yeah. Um, and this is where Angela and Dr. Manhattan meet. Um, and, you know, Cal does the whole, um, Dr. Manhattan does the whole, 
uh, I'm here at this moment, but I'm also here. And he's, you know, he does a lot of sort of nonlinear like storytelling to her. Um, uh, I, we, we do get a little bit of sort of the, the relationship after she agrees to go on the date with him um, to fill in a little bit of that backstory. Um, uh, so, yeah, I love their romance and sort of how, you know, uh, we got, I think maybe I, I have to think about it more if I agree with the idea of him coming back and falling in love again after all the events in the book. Um, it's still something I really haven't formed an opinion on and I'll have to probably think about more. I don't think that he would have been able to if he, if he didn't, if he didn't uh, become human. Yeah, like, exactly. And so I think I, he I knew like that. that yeah. Yeah. But also, I like it, in the book. There's reason to believe that he would come back and maybe try to find human connection. Lori helps him realize in the book how special humans are, mm -hmm. and uh, he still has a lot to learn about what makes them special by the end of the book. Yeah, uh, I, even when he goes off to create life, um, he might be it may have been coming back to Earth to try to figure out how to not make, you know, Crookshanks and. Phillips just autonomous servants, that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> we know our agency. Um, he just sort of skipped a lot of steps. And so maybe he was returning and he realized he had to fall in love with Angela and become mm -hmm. human again. Maybe, maybe there was some point where he was thinking that he would learn how to be human by being human again, mm. that he could go back and make life better for these human beings. At least that's my interpretation. But then eventually like, Oh. he can't see he can't see past a certain point because of that field that they trap him in yeah and uh so he doesn't know he's going to die until he's about to die which and, is very human yeah <laughs> that kind of thing and that like he and uh but also ozymandias right makes reference to that in the book where he says that he was eight he knew he could get dr manhattan to leave the planet if he manipulated him enough because he could see s subtle facial twitches on Dr. Manhattan in the book that would hint at him having emotion. And in the book, you see that too, because uh, there's a part where he, at the beginning where he tells Laurie to go on a date with Dan and he's smiling while he does that. And that's one of the only times that he smiles. And then he smiles at the end, the same smile when he sees Laurie and Dan together after all the events. Mm -hmm. So like, I, I think that it's not a stretch for him to return and want to be human again. Um, because like he is sort of building emotion and there may be acceptance of that emotion by the end of the book. Um, and then also, uh, Yaya playing Dr. Manhattan. I used to, I liked Billy Crudup as Manhattan in the movie. And so when I would reread it, I would sort of hear his voice, but I think now I will hear Yaya's voice mm. when I'm rereading Dr. Manhattan because his, he did such a good job inhabiting that role. Yeah. So a couple of other key developments here are we do get the uh, the story of Dr. Manhattan going to to Vite and uh, you know Vite has a, sort of in a Batman sort of moment has a plan for everything um, and is able to um, uh, give uh, Dr. Manhattan Cal the uh the ability to to not remember that he's dr manhattan and the episode previous we saw angela sort of take that out so you know us as viewers seeing these um 
story elements out of order. We're, we're, we're putting everything together here yeah. um, as we go through. So I thought that was really cool how they did that. Yeah, yeah. it was very cool. So, um, but in part of that, a part of that deal is we see that um, Dr. Manhattan sent Vite to Europa. Yeah. And that's where he has been this whole time. Yeah. Uh, we also see um, that, uh, actually, no, well, I, you know, we have a huge action sequence as Angela runs home. Uh, you know, they're fighting 7th Cavalry guys. Um, Very John Wick fight scene, like gun yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. I like that. I like that kind of stuff. So I wasn't too, like, I wasn't too upset. I was like, okay, I like this. And, uh, yeah. And then having Manhattan come in and, and explode some heads is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. But he is taken out by a 7th uh, Cavalry member who has like a like a tachyon cannon or, or, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's sort of, he's gone. Um, uh, so, you know, we, we got one episode to go and we've had this huge sort of development action scene, but, um, we cut to, to Vite, uh, and he gets a birthday cake, which has the horseshoe inside of it. But we saw that, we saw that earlier when he got a cake with a horseshoe in it. And then we were just like, what's going on here? But this time he has the horseshoe, which he can start to use to, um, dig out of his tunnel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny. Um, <laughs> and then I love how that that horseshoe ends up being the weapon that saves him in the end against uh, the game warden. Yeah. Um, and then he just, like, uh, he just, like, he, he disposes of the game warden in episode nine with just such prejudice. Like, he just kicks him with his foot. Like, he doesn't even want to touch him. That yeah. kind of thing. He stabs him, and then, like, just, like, as, like, demeaning as he possibly can, like, <laughs> punches him, like, just knocks him in the face. Um, yeah. Ugh. And uh, then we find out, well, we find out in the last couple episodes that everybody just wants Dr. Manhattan. That's been the whole point of everyone's plot, is just to find Manhattan and steal his power. And make him alt-right Manhattan. And make him alt-right Manhattan, or in Lady True's case, uh, communist Manhattan. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, and we forgot yeah. to talk about Joe Keaton Jr. wearing the uh, the Doctor Manhattan the Doctor yeah. Manhattan briefs when he yeah. was. Oh yeah, so great. That as is... soon as as soon as I saw that, I I was I think I said aloud that this man is going to die violently. Like... <laughs> yes, that's the that is the most beautiful way of disposing of a villain ever that yeah kind of thing. Oh, so like, good. make him look like an ass and then make him melt into like gross goo that kind yeah. of thing i was like that's how you kill a villain so i also memorable. i love the reverse like the reverse um the reverse role that um lady true plays to like the cyclops council when she's yeah essentially like divulging her grand plan and like um <laughs> judd's wife is just like shut the she's essentially just tells her to shut up and she's just like you're gonna kill us right and she's like, just, just like, get oh, on with yeah, it yeah i'm yeah. gonna kill you like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so good it's almost kind of like i'm the villain here like you don't 
you don't you don't get to like divulge your brand. I love me. Judd's wife is great. I love in the the previous episode when she's trying to get the trap door to work oh, on Lori and so it won't great. work. And, and Lori like, is just pressing like, the buttons. She's like, Lori is so confused. dumbfounded. She's just, yeah. are you really trying to use a secret trap door on me right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lots right. of really great nods. Just, so, uh, just stupid tropes. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. So um, that leads us into the last episode, episode nine, uh, See How They Fly. Uh, before we go into this, do you think that there was any thought to nine episodes nine panel grid i thought uh, of that too definitely i think so yeah i think it was pretty deliberate yeah and they they even asked him they're like why why not 12 like the issues and and lindelof said that they tried doing 12 but then they got into filler territory yeah so nine fit like felt like the perfect number but yeah it's it's beautiful when you think about it like nine panel grid it's yeah it works great yeah <laughs> So this is also this perfect is, for three acts too, right? Mm, like, true. you know, first three episodes, first act, second, yep. episode, second yeah. act, last three episodes, third act. So this one is called See How They Fly. Uh, we see that uh, Vite has written Save Me Daughter on Europa. Yes. Um, a true uh, spacecraft shows up um, to, 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 to bring her father um, home. He's sort of encased in gold. Yeah. Um, and he was, he actually was the statue that we had seen earlier when Angela came to, to, to visit um, with Lori in their investigation. Yeah. Um, uh, Wade, sh- Wade shows, uh, actually Wade is under, uh, Wade is uh, incognito as a yeah. uh, seventh cavalry uh, uh, member. He sort of shows up in, uh, sort of helps Lori, um, you know, a, a fight breaks out. Um, yeah, as you said, uh, Senator Joe gets, uh, gets what he deserves. He's turned into ooze. Um, the millennium clock is like powering up. Yeah. Um, there's a countdown. Um, but Vite, uh, is is it Vite sort of steers Doctor, the squid, the frozen squid yeah. brain down to sort Dr. of? Doctor Manhattan uses Joe's guts, like his meltiness, to, to transmit. Create, yeah, to yeah, to transport, to teleport Vite, Wade, and Lori to Karnak, where all the where yeah where where Vite's been you've been teleporting the squid so yeah yeah that's where you're t- that's where you're at Matt yeah so the the squid are uh like frozen and they're acting as sort of like small you know artillery shells coming down and breaking everything up yeah and oh uh, yeah that's see when true like looks through her hand and there's yeah. a, like a squid silhouette like through her hand the the squid stigmata uh, yeah, yeah. And she's just like, what the F? Like, yeah. So, uh, so great. So um, good. Lori yeah. and the kids run to the theater. So we go back to the theater again. Yes. Um, and Where it Will, started. Will yeah. be sitting in there. 
uh, he's they, protecting the kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That you're right. Um, Lori, I'm sorry. Angela sort of uses like a, like, like a car door or something to protect her. Yeah. yeah. Some, some kind of uh, something that was used for the equipment and it's pretty invulnerable, but it, there, there's also that moment where they, you have to destroy Manhattan in order to take his power. So there's this, uh, there's this great moment of them saying goodbye and uh, yes. it's really bittersweet. Um, and uh, yeah, but then yeah, she runs into the theater where Will and the kids are. Um, so um, that is sort of, well, they, they go back to Angela's house and yeah. um, we'll talk about the, the last scene with Angela. But um, as you alluded to, um, Lori, Wade, and Vite are in his, you know, Arctic layer. Um, we we see another. Um, what's what's the owl ship's name? Archie. Archie. We see. Oh, yeah. Archie. Yeah. Archie. Yeah. Archimedes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but she she arrests Vite for all the the wrongdoings that he's he's done there. I love how it's like it's just so passing. She's like, yeah, why not? That kind of thing. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then and, and Wade just like holds up the the disc. He's like, "Yeah, I got it right here." That kind of yeah, thing. so but great. Again, at, at first, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of anticlimactic," but I'm like, "Like you said, that's what he deserves. He doesn't deserve yeah. grandiose. Like he deserves yeah. this them being like, yeah, you're going to jail." Okay. Yeah, I honestly like. I feel it. Though it's so it's so kind of like a lackadaisical, like you were saying. It, it's just it, it's just like it's the obvious conclusion for what should happen to him. Like, yes. It's just like, of yeah. course he gets arrested. He's an evil, he's an evil piece of garbage. Like, oh, yeah. Despite everything that he, and like he uh, just, and he has that like glimmer in his eye when they like, when I, I forget who it is. I think it's, I guess it's Lori who's like, what are you doing? And he's just like saving the world. And it's just yeah. like, <laughs> you are such a piece of crap. Like, but he all he's only doing it though also because he's threatened by true that's yeah. the thing. like he just wants to one up true because yeah and that yeah it's so true he might, he might yeah. steal manhattan's powers yeah um but yeah yeah i, I feel like I, yeah like i was saying earlier i think that the the ending for um vite and manhattan like it was a it was the best way that they could have ended their arcs like yeah um, yeah. Yeah, and I think the ending of the show has enough ambiguity to also honor the book. Like, oh especially, yeah. Especially if Lindelof says he's not coming back for season two, mm -hmm. and maybe like this will be something that hopefully within our lifetime someone comes back and is like, I know exactly. Like, are in Lindelof's place where they're like, I was raised on this show. It's yeah. Like a TV season. I'm going to do a movie, a comic, whatever, a sequel to this and do something yeah. great. Like, and, I, ma and make it their own. Like, exactly. Able to like honor the source material, but also make a sincere representation of it that's from their, their own perspective. Yeah. Um, which is why this show, like one of the many reasons why this show was so excellent. Like Lindelof like, had a vision for it and there, there was the trappings and the nods of uh like to the original source material but he really like made it his own show like yeah. he made it his, his own story and um yeah it, that's just like 
the talents of like a master storyteller. It's really, really hard to do that um, and not come across as self-aggrandizing or cheesy or um, uh, just hollow. Yeah. Um, well, you can feel the love he has for this world. Oh, yeah, totally. That's yeah. something that I don't feel like, again, I, I, I promised the other night on the episode we were recording with Matt that I'd be uh, dumping on Snyder a lot, even though I do love Zack Snyder movies just as a guilty pleasure. But I just don't feel like he understood or loved the material enough to want to represent it. You know, like he wanted to change it at every, every, any place that he could, he wanted to change the tone and things like that and not tell a story that was true to the source material. Whereas I feel with this, you can tell that this comes from a deep love and understanding of the source material. And mm-hmm. uh, that then, and just, and I think the love goes the next level for him to basically say, no, I'm not doing a second season. You know, yeah. I said everything I wanted to say and to say anything more, I think would be dishonoring my love for this. You know? Yeah. And kind of going back to the end of the, of, uh, of Alan Moore's um, Watchmen when Manhattan is just like, nothing ever ends. Like it never yeah. really ends. Like it never really ends. So what's the point of like, of like elaborating on it further like it's it's yeah like this this story it, it's it's done and like life continues on despite that so yeah exactly um, yeah yeah so i think leaving it leaving it open to like did did um sister knight actually um adopt dr manhattan's powers or is she human like it doesn't really matter but it's interesting to just like think about so yeah what do you what are your ending thoughts matt on the show uh i liked it um uh i i you know the the you know the the cliffhanger of her you know consuming the egg and stepping on the water and and cutting out and we we don't get an answer it allows us to sort of have these sort of fanboy discussions and sort of speculate (laughs) in her head as opposed to giving us the answer um so it was definitely a, an interesting way to to do it um no i no i enjoyed it uh how about you guys i love it yeah i loved it i i was yeah i i, I like i said I, I fell in love with the show from the from like the very first episode i thought it was i i knew it was going to be something special um and it it definitely is um I knew it was going to be great. I didn't know it was going to be like something that would end up being one of my favorite things, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, it's, I, I just, I, I loved it to death. Yeah. 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 No, uh, I, I, it was probably my, uh, my, one of my favorite things of, of last year. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, somebody who had read the comic and, you know, I, I, I saw the previews and it was just, it was just a joy to watch week to week. Yeah. Never, there was never a dull moment. There was never like a, an epic, like if there's no filler, like it's all, it's all just, uh, everything is, has some sort of relevance to this, to like the, the story. And, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's excellent. Yeah. And I love this discussion too. It's cool guys. Yeah. Um, likewise. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was great to, to revisit it. Uh, so I think that's that's going to do it for us now. Um, if you guys uh, listening could give us a uh, rating and review on whatever podcasting service you use, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we are on Twitter 
at ConstructCompod. Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod. Facebook and YouTube is Constructing Comics. Uh, we'll be back with a, another episode uh, very soon. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for be listen, uh, for listening. Be safe and watch out for interdimensional squid attacks while you're out yeah. there. TikTok, uh, everyone. TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Keep your ears open for the alarms. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks again, and we'll be back very soon. <laughs>